you think about so many things. Think about Juneteenth juxtaposed to Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Then you think about freedom without political freedom, without housing freedom, without educational freedom. It's like, again, the illusion of, okay, shut the fuck up, take this, you should be happy now. But we're really not going to give you freedom because it's going to mess with our way of life. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. What's going on, Humanized Family? We back at this thing one more again. Um, today, we're going to be talking about professionalism. Um, we're going to be talking about whiteness. And we're going to be talking about just the definition, if there is any kind of separation between all of those terms. Um, we debrief the great episode with Derry. And hopefully, you enjoy it because we did. Thank you so much, Derry. If you're listening, hopefully, you're listening to this. Um, and let's get to this work, Emily. How you feeling today? Well, first I wanted to, um, yeah, so Derry had such an interesting take. His background is in communication and he has a master's in communication and he's worked a lot in the in corporate world, corporate spheres, as well as um, organizational culture of, organiza- of companies. And he mentioned to us that he grew up in mostly white spaces. So that was kind of his background and his context. We had a really interesting conversation, but we have to talk about something first before we talk about that. Courtney and I are sitting in the same room. Hey, yo. <laughs> this is the first time we have ever Damn, recorded man. in person. Oh, wow. You should see the amount of gear we have set up. And we still had to call our editors right before the episode because yes. we yes. have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> well, hopefully we still bring that heat because... Uh, yeah. Ooh. I mean, it's weird. It's it kind weird. of, how do you feel being in person? I, I'm enjoying it, but I'm kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you scared or are you uncomfortable? Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay, I'm unsafe. No, feel, uh, Hopefully feel, you feel safe. <laughs> no, I feel good. It feels like a conversation we're about to have about a great, um, we always have great conversations, but it feels more authentic to me. So that yeah. feels good. It's just weird. It's to an adjustment. See, it's an adjustment. You know? I don't have headphones on. Exactly. I've never I, talked to Courtney without <laughs> headphones on. <laughs> I feel like we're doing something wrong, basically. <laughs> Pretty sure we are. <laughs> so yeah, either this episode is going to be amazing or please forgive us for this episode. Yeah. Those are the options. Yeah, if the sound quality is not so good, just yeah. be like, oh, those two, <laughs> they're learning so much. Exactly. We'll, we'll get it right. We'll get it right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But it's super fun to be here oh, in person with I'm you. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yeah, in the same room. And hopefully get to do a lot more of this with we have to. guests as well and so forth. So, yeah, it's exciting, but it's an adjustment. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Man, so uh, what's coming up for you? How are you today? Me specifically? Yeah, 
besides the excitement of us. Yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. I'm I'm getting excited to go on a plane with my family for the first time in forever. That'll be next week. So I wish it was more like, uh, you know, feeling like I was getting released from the chicken coop. But like my kids are young, so they're not vaccinated. So it feels like a big, um, you know leap of faith in the system that they're recommending and they'll have masks on and they're not great. Well, I mean, the youngest isn't great with wearing it. So I don't know, but it'll be amazing to be with family again. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Um, Just so much going on in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. this is weighing. I just feel really good again to be here really trying to not just stress about everything going on, actually trying to do some good in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and um, just what we put out there, hopefully it comes back and, and it'd be something that it can, again, shift the culture towards what we have to, what we have to do and what we're going to leave when mm-hmm. we die. Mm-hmm. You know? So the legacy that I want to leave, I was just thinking about this the other day, is one of hope and one of, of resilience and um, mm-hmm. and one of courage. And so hopefully mm-hmm. with all the work that we do on this podcast would lead to other things that can create change yeah um and i feel really good to be doing this good so that's how i feel right now good nice where do you want to start in talking about dairy's episode the definition of professionalism okay when when someone says to you two questions Mm -hmm. before this podcast when someone says what is professionalism to you? What do you think your response would have been as opposed to what is professionalism to you now since we've been working together and us doing this work? You know, I mean, I, that that's a particular one that I've given a lot of thought to before this because of my work I did cross-culturally. And so we see that come up a lot with the ideas of like time, you know, if like Americans or Germans going into countries that are more we call it polychronic where like multiple things are happening at the same time and relationships are prioritized as opposed to a monochronic culture like the U S or Germany where time is linear and a lot of systems of respect are shown through timeliness. And so I, you know, I've given a lot of thought to national level cultural differences and when they come together and people start judging each other because of that. But what we see in those systems even though there's a power difference, the judgment is pretty strong in both directions. And yeah. I think that what I'm just really thinking about a lot in more recently is just how, like, between white and black culture, there isn't, there's just a very strange cultural exchange, you know, and how in the professional spaces, it's like, it's very much my way or the highway, as in the white way or, the, or leave. You know, you're not a cultural fit. There's no space for that. Like, how do we bridge and create this third culture, which is often how I, I work with organizations internationally of like, let's take what's good of both. Let's come to agreed, like mutual understandings. Um, but that's not at all what we see in U.S. culture with Black culture. And instead, it's like, let me take this the music and rhythm of black culture and then claim it to be our own and then you know make a lot of money from it like thinking like elvis and stuff so yeah it just has it's not an exchange it's a dominance yeah so what bring what it brings up for me is i've set the mold and the blueprint for professionalism and 
if you don't abide by that, you're not professional. Right. And that's coming up for me. Um, to answer my own question, I think, because speaking to dairy and what's, what's kept coming up for me was service. You know, I think we, as professionals, we think because we are the professionals, we know what's best for individuals that we serve. Mm. When it should be, as a professional, I need to understand the person by building a relationship mm-hmm. so that I can best serve them. Mm-hmm. That's professional to me. Mm-hmm. And like I said on the show, it's less about how you see me and more about how I see you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if that was the way we view professionalism, because it kind of supersedes race now at that point. Mm-hmm. But again, everything comes back to race because it's a way to say less than. You're not like me. There's a difference. Our brain sees patterns and how mm-hmm. we're I'm not raised, but like socialized. Mm-hmm. We feel as though Black people or people of color are different and their differences should be, and not all white people, I'm saying that, but what it comes across as to white, to people of color is, I don't want to be you. Mm-hmm. However, I want what you have and I want to to benefit from the great things that you bring to the U.S., mm-hmm. but this is still my country. Right. You know what I mean? So stay in your lane, give uh-huh. me your shit now, but you will never be us. But we want to benefit at at your risk. Yeah, like pick and choose. Yeah. Like I want this piece, but I don't want you yeah. to wear hat to work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. And yeah, there's like a picking and choosing yeah. that goes on. And I imagine that feels pretty... Exploitative. Uh, yeah, exploitative. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. I mean, we were talking about white culture, whiteness. Um, are you proud to be a white person during mm-hmm. our last episode? Mm-hmm. And again, you should be proud to be a white person. Mm-hmm. But what is your pride steeped in? History? I don't know. I mean, I've given that 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 question here. Let's let's listen to a little clip of when we were talking about white pride yeah. in the episode. So check this out: if blackness is a one word to say black culture. Whiteness should follow the same linguistic suit, right? Whiteness should be white culture. What is white culture? That's the wonderment. What is white culture, right? Because, and so check this out. So years ago, I did this project, just my own little intellectual pursuit, where I just texted the white friends in my phone book on my phone. And I just asked the question saying like, you know, there's black pride. There's LGBTQA pride. There's pride in these different marginal groups. But what is white pride? I can't think of any way of thinking about white pride without it feeling bad. Because like what it's saying is like, let's group white people together and think about all of our great accomplishments and what we've done, what we've achieved, what we've overcome. You know, that would be something to be proud of. I mean, I guess one way to think of it I was just thinking of my kid and like when she does something that she's proud of, it's because she's learned something. So that would be what white is like, what we have learned, what we have become aware of and, and taken steps forward. Yeah. I haven't seen that enough, you know, like 
even the movement of like wokeness is weird. You know, like I've talked on past episodes with my issues with that, the superiority in that word. Um, So I see the potential in that regard as maybe that could be a thing, but I don't, I haven't seen it. I don't identify with it. Yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit because I think you should be proud as a white person. But I think, again, it, it needs to be steeped in the context of why do I have pride? Am I yeah. proud of my history of exceptionalism? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I don't have to worry about certain things like other cultures have to worry about. My inherent undeserved safety. Mm-hmm. If you're proud about those things, that that's the problem for me. Right. It's like I'm proud of... The medical advancements we've made. Oh, but at what cost did we make those medical advancements? Exactly. That just doesn't like... And and that's why... And so it's a different means of pride and and origins of pride. Mm -hmm. Like people of color should be proud, not only because we're still living, but also because we have contributed to this country. Mm -hmm. If you go to war and I am going to war with you, a black person and a white person, we both should be proud that we fought a war and won together. Mm-hmm. But just because you are who you are, like if I hear white pride, I would love to dive deep with that person. Like, what are you proud of? Right. You know, and so I never want to, for a person who comes in contact with me as a black man to feel guilty for being white mm-hmm. because that's patronizing. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit to me. Wait, say more about that. Why is that patronizing? Because you couldn't pick and choose your your race or your culture. Mm-hmm. You were born to the family you were born to. Mm-hmm. That culture was that culture. Your skin complexion was as it was. You had no choice in that. Mm-hmm. And it would be ignorant of me to hate you because of the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm fighting a fight for equality and freedom, how hypocritical of me it would be to say, I hate you because of your skin color, even though people that look like you may have fucked over my ancestors, I need to get to know you as a person before I like you or dislike you. Mm -hmm. And so I I feel like that is what's lost today. People always associate, on both sides, black and white, associate crimes and and, and ill and and, and bad behavior to a skin color, to Mm -hmm. a group of people, instead of taking it and and with and and sometimes it's understandable when mm-hmm. we talk about the riots that happened in 2020 do i agree with busting out a store hell no I, mm-hmm. that's crazy mm-hmm. do i understand why it may happen though mm-hmm. when you don't give people a voice long enough you know, people buy back mm-hmm. you know and we always say if you beat a dog long enough and mis- mistreat a dog long enough sooner or later that dog may bite you mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that is what happens a lot of times. But in order for us to really to to really cross a bridge, we really have to understand like what is it going to take for people that don't look like me to really understand my struggle? And that's mm-hmm. not through hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through understanding. Right. And so if we talk now, let's talk about professionalism mm-hmm. and whiteness and mm-hmm. supremacy. If I'm a white man and a black guy with long hair comes in with his hat to the back, I shouldn't see that as unprofessional. I should see that as different. Right. That would be that would be great. 
if that happened. That's what, she, yeah. That's and, what she, it, and it would even be great if it's like, oh, well, that's a different style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever, maybe that fits. Or we, we, let's say everyone has to have their hair short. Like, yeah. that's the thing. But what's happening is that they say, like, a person sees long hair and they're like, not only does that hair not fit, they're probably not good at their job. Hmm. Right. Like it's like this whole thing yes. of judgment because the way that we work is like one thing ticks us off. Yeah. And then it's like we can't keep giving that person the benefit of the doubt. Like yeah. now I, I don't know if I'm going to turn to that person as a, a, a you know consultation on this problem that I'm trying to figure out at work. Yeah. And we know that the way that like in groups work in the professional space when you have certain people that you turn to just for help, right? Like, I need, will you help me figure out how I'm going to do this? Those people in your in-group are going to be groomed for success because they're going to know more information about the company. They're going to be tapped to take over when that person leaves because, oh, that person already knows what's happening. So if you're not, like, making sure that there are people that are different from you in your in-group, then you're constantly going to be excluding people and the way that the, these organizations, especially in Colorado, which is, you know, I work a lot in Colorado, most of them are mostly white with mm-hmm. like a few minority identifying people at the organization. And yeah. they just get, their, their turnover rate is so high yeah. because they're not given access to that. And it could just be, oh, this person looks different. Yeah. Or this person has an accent, you know? 100%. 100%. So if we could just say like, oh, different hairstyle. I don't like that hairstyle, but I'm still going to ask that person for help. Like, but that's not what we see happening. No. You 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 brought something up excess. You know, again, when you take away someone's excess, you take away someone's education, you take away someone's learning, mm-hmm. and you take away someone's potential for growth. You know, and just like I didn't know I enjoyed being in on the river like I did. Right. Until I was given access to experience that. Yeah. And that's all poverty is, is a lack of. Right. It's a lack of access to everything that can save your life, educate you, feed your family. Mm-hmm. And so if, I mean, is even a, a, a lack of breathing properly. Like we live in substandard housing and everything. It's a lack of everything across the board. Air pollution. Everything. Uh-huh. And so- if I have a lack of or I don't have access to, how can I ever be expected to read well, to write well, to understand, to grow, to not see the person who has the access as an, as an enemy or not? Mm-hmm. So let's, it's like this system is set up for me to hate you. Right, right. <laughs> Wait, let's listen to a little clip because we were talking about access and white people shit too. Yeah. <laughs> With Derry. Yeah. So hold on. The footnote of what Courtney's talking about here, of like white people shit, is truly an access thing, right? Because reading, the reason why reading is white people shit, because we were kept from being able to read from white people. White people kept us from being able to read. So since they kept reading from us, that means they must own it, equals white people's shit, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like when you, you look at all of these manifestations of, of racism, 
today, it's just subtle echoes of what's happened in the past with like, this, you know, p- people who were enslaved were freed and then Jim Crow systems were set up and police were set up and like all these, you know, like the, basically it was like, yes, okay, you're free, but you can't, you can't actually access any of these things that will help you be who you want to be and help you gain prosperity in the country that you now live in because you were taken away from your country and your ancestors were. So can't get access to those those places. And it's the same thing that like is like the access in the corporate pipeline. Like, yeah, you can get hired in. Good. Like you made it through the first hoop, <laughs> right? Of like, first of all, getting your resume called back because maybe you had a name that wasn't like a typical Anglo name. And you got through all these, you know, interviewing processes where people have all these biases and they're already picking up on these things. And then then you are hired and then you come in and you don't have access to climb the corporate ladder and to get paid good money and to be given insider information. And it's just like it, it's not I mean, it is an evolution, obviously, since, uh, you know, however long ago, but it feels like a twisting, like painful grading, like so slow evolution where we just keep going in the same patterns. You think about so many things, think about Juneteenth juxtaposed to Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. Then you think about freedom without political freedom, without housing freedom, without educational freedom. It's like, again, the illusion of, okay, shut the fuck up, take this, you should be happy now, but we're really not going to give you freedom because it's going to mess with our way of life. Yeah. That's what always comes up for me. You say that you've brought up that, like, you should be happy now, and it's one of the most, like, painful things to hear when you bring that up because it is is echoed throughout our culture of like, should you should be happy. Are, I'm like, are you, you should be happy you're not a slave? Like, that's an insane thing to say. And yet it's, it's a tone that you've said that you experience. All the time. How can we live in a white supremacist culture when we had a black president? Right. I, and, and when people say that comment, who are not in politics, I'm like, all right, cool. But when you're on in politics and you your job is to to understand politics and you say, yeah, uh, critical race theory is some bullshit. We had a black president. Why do we want to make it seem like that goes to show that you have an agenda because you know better. Mm-hmm. You know, the president, if you know government, the president doesn't have as much power as presented. Right. He does. He's the figurehead. He he he's the manager of a great company. He's not the owner, right? <laughs> like, right. He always has to answer to, and so you should be happy is such a degrading, dehumanizing thing. Yeah. That that it further pisses people of color off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the mouthpiece for all people of color, but mm-hmm. the ones that I've talked to, like, you should be happy. Why should I be happy? I'm not a slave. That's. Why should I be not happy that? Why should I be happy that I, I can at least go to a school that everybody can go to? You're not. I think. Me I think that if any any person, any white person, any person's like projecting that tone, because I don't, I don't, I don't know if people exactly say those words, but yeah. maybe projecting yeah. that tone. You know, you should be happy you were hired, but don't think about 
you know, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough that you were hired? Like, I think if any any person projecting that tone turned it upon themselves, there's not a second that they wouldn't say, like, that's not that's not a standard for living and happiness. And it just goes to show what you said, the dehumanizing. Like, mm-hmm. we we don't empathize with people that we dehumanize, which is the biggest tool that was out there yeah. was dehumanizing. And so if we see that that is still present, we can have proof that, that dehumanizing is still happening. Yeah. It, it just goes back, like, a lot of people have kids. So when shit happens to children, everybody feels it. Yeah. Everybody ain't black or brown mm-hmm. or a person of color. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's over them. That's mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. They can have, that's their community. Mm-hmm. Why can't their community be better? Why is black on black crime such huge in their community? Mm-hmm. Why is gun violence over there? Man, the, the breaking up of the home is a problem over there. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, until it happens or you feel it in your own community, mm-hmm. I think we, we, we will always be walking alone in this country. I'm mm-hmm. me against you. Mm-hmm. But when I call people family... Is not some cool shit. I really view people as family. Mm-hmm. And that don't mean I like you. Just <laughs> people in your family I don't like. I mean, that's just right. it. <laughs> I hate them. Like, I hate not the, you. It's not the greatest categorization, exactly. but we're in it together. <laughs> yeah. And so we are in it together. Even right. people you don't like, whether you want to admit it or not, right. you, if shit happens to them, it happens to you. Mm-hmm. Somehow. you know. And so like, if I don't have money and you walk around with all the money... Some things may happen to you because all of the access has been taken from me. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the poverty has created an enemy between us that you don't even know exists. You don't even know me. Mm-hmm. But you driving the bins and I'm over here walking. I'm like, yo, I'm about to steal her bins. I need it. I need to feed my kid. I need to go to the job interview. She left her car running. My my daughter, I got it. I'm sorry, miss. I'm out. Uh-huh. Now you got a whole problem to worry about. Mm-hmm. It was created again. I'm not making an excuse and making it cool for crimes to be committed. I just like to think holistically about criminality, right? About things that go wrong, right? You know, like okay, that was wrong. What happened? What's the what's the story? Mm-hmm. Hitler. Hitler did wrong. Things went wrong for him. Hundred <laughs> percent. There's a story why Hitler hated Jews. Mm-hmm. Why the hell did he have that kind of loathe and kind of hatred for a group of people? Mm-hmm. Something had to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, Trump. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why is he the way he is? Okay, and now on the for some people on the other end, Obama. Mm-hmm. You got like why are those people the way they are? There's always a story behind that, and. And I'm not trying to say one is better than the other. Everyone has a past. Everyone has done things. Obama has done some shit that we don't know. Right. You know? And But I always need to know when it comes to the work that we do, what, what, what will it take in your mind, Emily? What will it take for stigmas to be changed regarding professionalism? What would it take for people to say, enough is enough, come as you are? And let's figure it out together. What do you think it would take? So I've worked with groups a lot in different settings around the world. I've always been in the company I used to work for. 
I was like the group dynamic person. You know, they'd send me on programs um, to just deal with group dynamics. And there's something about taking a group of people somewhere else where there isn't an escape. There isn't like a way to just get out of it. And when we're in corporations and we're in businesses, there's always an escape. There's always the like, here's the card. Like this person isn't a cultural fit because of all these reasons. And I'm I'm uncomfortable around them. Let's figure out some way to move them to a different department or, you know, put them in the you put them over here. Um, so there's there's an always an escape valve. And that escape valve is always, um, almost always seems to be in the, the hands of, you know, some white CEO, white male CEO. <laughs> and I think that where you see different organizations emerging is, I've seen it more in like organizations that are just women, you know, just a monoculture of a different culture than white male then they start to craft something new. But I think it's pretty hard to do it in the, like, in the mix of what is currently currently happening. I like Derry's suggestion of having, like, if you can create a norm of personal standards. So let's listen to that for a second. The way I define a personal work standard is that it's your own and I mean own to mean like, yes, it is yours, but it's something that you own. It is it is yours, right? To the utmost. It's your own definition of excellence in a work setting. You know, it has this, I, this idea of how do you work to honor others? Going back to what Courtney was saying about serving others. How do you honor others as well as yourself? How expansive is your level of thoughtfulness when solving problems and making decisions. And so if we can have people begin to reflect and identify and communicate outward their own personal work standard, I think we will find a lot of commonalities. I think, and you know, he's someone who's given a, a, a lot more thought than I have to, to organizational structure and culture. But if you, if that's the tone of a team of like, how does everyone, what does everyone need to show up in their best? Because that is what every company wants. Like, what do you need? That's the constant conversation. I think that that could be a, a pretty big culture shifter as long as there wasn't an, an easy escape valve, you know. But but who sets the tone for what is needed, though? What is needed where? At your job. Mm-hmm. You know, when Derry was talking about prosperity and survival mm-hmm. are the two main things why companies feel as though they do what they do, mm-hmm. you know? Who sets the tone for that? Well, I think that's why the episode is named capitalism, you know, like the capitalism part there is, I think that when I've been giving this a lot of thought, I feel like that almost feels more immovable than white supremacy. Like the the system, I think I'm a little bit more anti-capitalist than you. (laughs) Um, I just think that the system is 
set up where ultimately like these strings are getting pulled by financial decisions, you of know, course. like this is, we can't do that because of yeah. the optics of, we can't just write that money in to serve that community that we're trying to exploit by taking this out of it. We can't just do that yeah. because the board will never approve that. And that's, you know, I think that capitalism pulls the strings. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, everything comes back to economics. Yeah. You know, I mean, slavery was because of economics, mm-hmm. you know, um, healthcare, but the the protection of a certain class of people because they feel like they bring most, they offer most toward the capitalist system. So let's protect white people. Because if you protect those individuals, the country was created to cre- to protect people that look this, look a certain way, uh-huh. right? Now, the economic structure that's in place today is mainly more white men, you know. And so, mm-hmm. if more white men are protected, it'll be better for the country at large. Mm-hmm. That's how we feel. Mm-hmm. So you have a few black and brown and and um, a women millionaires, billionaires, but at the most part. The 1% is filled with mainly white men mm-hmm. because that is the, the country is driven by that impression of success. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump was created, was given the highest, the most, to be the most powerful man in the, in the world because he represents success mm-hmm. financially. Right. You know, and so, theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. Like uh-huh. even black people say sometimes, like, why would I not want Trump? Mm-hmm. to be successful because he's a rich guy and he knows business and we need to get more money and okay wait did you did you hear that Jeff Bezos just spent 28 million dollars to go on an 11 minute trip into space yes how can that even because what is that <laughs> i know i was reading an article it was in the new york times kids section and i was reading it to to dakota this morning i was like Damn, this is unreal. He's like, Jeff Bezos just earned that in the time that you were reading that yes, article. Yes, 100%. <laughs> That's crazy. Why does that need, why does that much wealth need to be consolidated in one person? It's It doesn't need to be consolidated, but I feel like the culture that we have in the U.S., of professionalism, also we have a culture of um, we have to, what success is. Mm-hmm. There's someone to strive to be. And that's Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Like, who doesn't want to spend $28 million in 11 minutes? Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be in the position to be able to, to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I, you, if you had the option to do that, you may not do it, but that would feel good. But you, yeah, I mean, anyway. <laughs> that would be crazy. That, you see, again, access. Access. He doesn't have a he lack of- ultimate access. All of the access. So- yeah. To that point, is he free? I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole talking about corporate Ooh. culture at Amazon. You <laughs> is know? he free? Do you think that... Do is, is he free? Yeah. I. So I don't personally know him, but I would imagine yeah, yeah. that he is a deeply troubled, deeply haunted individual. I think to take advantage of that many people, as he does in his corporate model, I can't imagine... I, I don't want to, that's what I'm saying. So your definition of freedom or our definition of freedom in the U.S. 
is financial freedom. So that we But can't... it's also the mental freedom, you know, like we don't care about mental health here. What are you talking about? <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, it's worth setting up the definition of like if we're talking because that's what we, we talk a lot about freedom on yeah. this show. I mean, what do you do you think it's financial? What do you think the definition of freedom is? Someone when you got someone from poverty and you say what twenty eight million being able to spend twenty eight million dollars first one, yes, hundred percent. But now in my life, nah. Mm-hmm. Freedom to me is being able to always say yes to possibilities. Hmm. And you don't need to be, be a billionaire to always be able to say yes to opportunities. But you need the opportunity to say you yes need, to. Exactly. You need to be able to have access to those opportunities. Right. And then to me, you're truly free. So there's not a number that I need to be making as an entrepreneur to say I'm free. However, if there's something that I, I I want and I need and I want to help and I can't get it because of finances, mm-hmm. I got some more work to do, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, if I said, you know what? I want to fly over here. I think I need a jet. Okay, cool. I'm closer to freedom then. Like, mm-hmm. okay, oh, I, I can afford that. Mm-hmm. Or there's a, a building over here in this side of town that I can do a lot of good for a community. I can buy it outright. Now we're talking about freedom. Mm-hmm. There's a school I want to create for at-risk youth. Oh, yeah. I got that in the budget. We can do that. I can be free. So you don't have to be Jeff Bezos to do that. That's what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. if there's a way, there's not a number. If you're asking me what, what is my number, there is there is none. Uh-huh. But if you're asking me when will I feel like I'm starting to achieve, to achieve true freedom? Mm-hmm. When other, when I can elevate others to live a life that they would possibly never have. So for your definition of freedom, it's more like you could be the opportunity creator that 100%. people could then say yes to. 100%. Mm-hmm. When I walk into a room, when people start to say, oh shit, okay, we got to be I've started to be free then. Mm-hmm. When I walk into a room and you was telling this person, no, they can't go to med school because of this money. No, they can't go to law school. This mother can't pay her rent. This community's at risk. They need to clean up the lead pipes. And I go in there, clean all this up. What's the bill? Send a check over to the office. We'll handle that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm shifting. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing. What can I do? That That's when I'm free. Mm-hmm. Because I'm creating freedom for that that mom mm-hmm. and her family, mm-hmm. you know, and like if I go into a person to have the ear of a president to commute some sentences because of who I am, mm-hmm. and just to really start to address mass incarceration, I'm I'm li- I'm, I'm free because I have influence now. Mm-hmm. I would rather have more influence than more money. Mm-hmm. If I can part the figurative C. And walk through and create change on both sides and people. And like, I feel like that's freedom. But if I'm Jeff Bezos living in essence by myself and I'm just spending money, like, that's not free. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's not, to me, that's not free. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be making $100,000 a year, but I can get whatever I want and anytime I want, talk to whoever I want versus a billionaire and people are not feeling, not feeling the love. Mm-hmm. And probably everyone has a different definition of, of freedom. You we know? should ask that. Hey, listeners, send us, a, <laughs> send us an IG about what your definition of freedom is. Yeah. Now, that'll be dope. Yeah, I'll write it down. Yeah. Send that. 
you know us how to find us on IG. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. It's so funny um, how we have like, I think six times as many followers on Facebook and Instagram and Instagram is where all the action happens. Yeah. If your listeners are out there and you're following us on Facebook, come over to Instagram Yeah, because there's it's much more active over there. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking of like, what is freedom and like my work and how I see it. And I, I think what it is, what inspires me is like in the DEI world, like liberating people, li- liberating white people from their oppressive thoughts and like getting them to a place where they can you know like i had this one guy come up to me after this week-long course that i had given on cultural competence at the fire academy and he pulled me aside and he's from he's a police captain from iowa like you know just you know a different world than i live in and he's like emily i just realized I've never listened to anyone in my life. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> we had not been talking about listening. Like, let me just tell you. Um, he's like, yeah, I just like am constantly, have a constant running thought about like who this person is. What are my judgments? What am I going to say next? How do I position myself? And he's like, I've never listened. Wow. And that to me was like the hugest reward of like teaching you know like oh wow you you just got liberated from yourself you know you may have a harder job than me (laughs) well it's pretty like deep psychological yeah work yeah because people and in the culture and the culture i'm coming from are 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 waiting whether they want to admit or not for something or someone or some some entity to create situations so that we can see a path forward. Yeah. People on your end feel as though they got the shit covered. They're running away from they, chains. So yeah. It's like herding cats over there where you at. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And a lot of those cats have to like run. You know, like yeah. if I'm working with a group of 20 and I can get through to two or three, yeah. that's you that, win it. that's a win. Yeah. And hundred percent. Uh it takes a lot of grit. To keep going, but those those people who come back to me six years later, like that 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 session that's changed big. my life. Like, um, yeah. But every now and then, I just like to do accounting. You know, some black and white, like <laughs> plug the numbers in, and you get a result. And <laughs> um, not this, yeah. <laughs> no. So, so, like for you, I I can imagine you and your social circles and your groups. You're becoming a black sheep. Like you become like a person who is like, damn, she's saying a lot. Like, oh, um, because who? No, no, because um, because y'all live on professional in professional world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so in those circles, I was thinking like more of my social circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the professional circles, yeah. yeah, I I think that my what I'm bringing in is probably like a little radical for a lot of companies and risky and edgy and um, pretty sure you know losing some work. NWA a professionalism, okay, yo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, totally. Um, <laughs> I'm in the studio with Easy E. What's happening? Baby? <laughs> Let's get it! Oh my god! Oh shit! Oh my god! Um, yeah, but like I say that in, but like it's not that radical. 
right? Like, I'm just saying, like, hey, can we, like, create space for people to show up their full selves? That and is radical. It's apparently radical. It is. Like, if they're emotional one day, can is there space for that? If they have to take care of child care, is there space for that? If they want to wear African prints, is there space for that? You know? Like, that's radical. That's, I, that's pathetic that that's radical, yeah. really, is, is the... Like, that's my hesitancy in saying that. But, you know, it's like, we're just trying to get away from suits, <laughs> you know? Men literally wearing <laughs> ropes around their neck all day at work. Like, why would you do that? Why would you do that to people? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's unfortunately a pushing the boundary yeah. type of thing. And, yeah. and the systems, which is whiteness and capitalism holding it in place, is incredibly... Strong, and I don't think a lot of us can imagine our way out. Next season, we're gonna talk to an amazing man here in Colorado who's gonna talk about radical imagination and the role of imagination in, because <laughs> uh, white supremacy is not very original. No, you know, there's not much imagination. I think Courtney Napier said that yeah. in, um, it does not have much imagination. Mm. It's yeah. audacious. It's bold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you have to match that with the same audacity mm-hmm. and bold behavior. and But imagination, when you walk into freedom, is is a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it has to come into play. Because mm-hmm. when you think about like- hey, I have stuff. a dream. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. Bars. <laughs> yo, told you, yo. Um, when you talk about like Harriet Tubman. Uh-huh. Can you imagine her imagination? Oh my god! Like how far out of the box? She, there was no box. That, that was no, there was no box. <laughs> Amazing! Um, talk about freedom! Talk about freedom! I can't stop thinking about it. Whenever I say freedom, she comes. She's one of the first people to come to my mm-hmm. mind. Okay, well, full disclosure, folks. We just had an audio. <laughs> Audio mix up, which yeah. you said at the beginning, we probably would. Yeah. So, um, yeah. growing pains. We're that's gonna, what it we're says. We're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> How was it recording in person for you? It was amazing. Um, nothing really could have spoiled this episode. You know, it was um, first time back face to face, so that was great. You mm-hmm. know, it's still a great conversation, and we're still growing. So I. I I don't think it'd be a bad episode. I think it'd be an episode with some difficulties. Some audio. <laughs> so, audio adventure. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm happy. I'm happy about that. And yeah, let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have great editors helping us. Yeah. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, and see you next week. See you next time. Humanized. Much love. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.